Engelman, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sits down with Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial in Boca Raton, Florida. Sean regularly joins the podcast to provide an update on the great marketplace. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Okay, let's jump in. Here's Casey and Sean discussing the recession pressure on the grain markets and how what's happened with the cotton pricing is one of the leading indicators and an economic measuring stick for the other ag commodities. Sean is with Haggett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing really good, Casey. Enjoying the day so far. So. That's good, considering that it's, what's well, 8.30 there, so... You, well, I, guess, well, I guess you've been up for like eight hours, so yeah, I, I already, my half my day's already gone already. So. <laughs> yeah, Sean, Sean gets up early so he can catch the Chinese news, the Chinese news reports. So. Uh, I always the first thing I go to is the Bangladesh news. That's really uh, you know the first thing I go to. So I got I got to be up for that. So. Got to be ready. It's hot off the press. Hot off hot the press. Off, hot off the rice paddy. There you so. go. There you go. All right. Recession talk is something that just can't seem to go away. It looks like they're contributing a lot of stuff to some overnight liquidation because of fears of recession, what that might look like. Shoring up some, I guess, short positions, I guess, probably what you're seeing out there and, and looking at some longs and those kind of things that are getting short up as well. So a lot of that stuff's going on. We're also heading towards the end of the month, too. So that that's has something to play there as well. But I guess, Sean, as you're looking at the grain market and this recession talk out there, how much of this these movements that we're seeing because i mean interday movements are huge man one day they're way down and next day they're way up and you might see end of the day they're only up by five but it could have been a 50 cent swing in, in between each start to close so i guess what's your thoughts there look when prices are high like they are um the market's just looking for an excuse to sell it's just you know so if it's recession talk they're going to sell because Prices are high. We're not dealing with three dollar corn anymore, right. and we're dealing with seven eight dollar right. corn. So it doesn't take much to spook uh, people out of these markets. Uh, when you have one hundred twenty dollar barrel oil, it doesn't take much to get people to want to sell because they kind of feel uncomfortable owning something that's already gone up so much. Right. Um, obviously, with the grains we have, you know, this is the time of the year we typically are under pressure. You know, I mean, we we've been bearish grains now for quite some time. We, you know talked about how a mid late may top especially for corn was likely and the actual top i think was right there in mid-may for the corn market um so so none of this is is really new the weather so far uh has been okay uh we had a little bit of a, of a, of a heat scare but now the models are getting a little cooler into the end of the month and you know so so th- this is kind of you know what the market's trying we have this big report out at the end of next week um, on the acreage and quality grain stocks. And so, so everyone is just sort of, you know, getting themselves into the, to a spot where they get a little more comfortable. So corrections in late June is actually commonplace for grains and having recession talk just takes, you know, just accelerates that selling just a little bit more, you know? Yep. All right. So talk recession here. I mean, one of the leading indicators that we see out there that, that is a economic driver um, or an economic um, measuring stick, I guess, is what's happening with cotton. Cotton right now is still still hovering around that dollar forty a pound area. It's down a little bit today. You've seen some pressure here and there, but I mean, really, the the response that we're seeing from that obviously is uh, it's down, you know, eighteen cents from its high back at the beginning of May. But as you look um, and kind of go through 
the the cycle of cotton right now. Obviously, we're going to wait to see what happens with uh, with harvest because we do have a shortage of cotton out there. But I guess as you take a look at cotton, what are your thoughts there? Well, we've been talking about this for months now. I mean, demand for cotton is going to be down. Uh, we had a demand that was coming from China for, for stockpiling non-child labor cotton, but they've but they've stockpiled it. They bought it. And now if the end user demand isn't there, they're going to have to work through it. And our price for the first time in a long while has started trading at a premium to the Chinese price, which is a, which is a perfect uh, setup for saying that they bought what they needed and are going to back off. We're getting rains in West Texas, um, you know, which we had, you know, which was one of the big concerns out there. So the prop size is starting to look bigger right now based upon that moisture coming in. So, you know, with all of that, you know, and a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty December cotton price is extremely attractive and high. So, this is what's going on there, um, and it makes sense that it should go on. Now, obviously, crops not been made. Still, a lot for the growing season to still go. We still have to get through the hurricane season. So, so you know, I don't think grains or cotton. You know, this is the terminal decline. But it's the first shot across the bow, Casey, that supply and demand may, may be shifting towards more supply and less demand versus what we've been dealing with for almost two years now, which was too much demand and not enough supply. So we're getting the first shot across the bow that we're beginning to shift gears. And if our weather forecast is correct beyond a weather skate here in early July, that we're going to have good crops this year, you know, we, we th- these won't be the lows. We'll see lower prices later on in the in the summer when the crop is made and the market has determined that crops are, are, are going to be, uh, you know, are going to be good. So, right. So, so with all the, the turbulence that we're seeing over in the outside markets, you know, we get a lot of pressure, you know, Jerome Powell yesterday, uh, fed chairman uh, was on Capitol Hill getting grilled by the Senate about asking dumb questions that they should know the answers to, but there you would think, um, all the pressure that you saw there. I mean, do you see a lot of spillover in, in out of the outside markets coming in and putting money into into the market right now, or is it just kind of no? It's so so much uncertainty right now that it just no one knows to do with what. Well, when the Fed comes out and says, you know, we're going to raise rates until inflation comes down, and we don't care if the economy goes into recession, which is essentially what he said. Yeah, I mean, if you he did you say know, that, yeah. If, if you, you know, he might have said it nice more, more nicely than that. But he, that's what he said. Right. Um, you know, that's that's a scary. Uh, we don't see the Fed say that very often, right? So, to the extent that you have short-term hot money that uh, you know gets spooked by that, they come in and immediately want to sell. Um, having said that, if the goal is to raise rates until inflation comes down, well, prices are starting to come down. Lumber is down from sixteen hundred to five hundred something. Yeah. Copper is down from almost $5 to under four. Crude oil is down from 120 to 100. So we're starting to see a lot of prices starting to fall. Well, you know, that may mean that we're getting near the end of what they need to do, if that's the reason they're doing it. If they start to see inflation coming down, if we start to see, you know, better inflation numbers in the months ahead, then then, then that could be a bullish sign that they're, they've done what they needed to do, they've been aggressive enough, and they may take a step back. Obviously, we're not quite there yet, to see those big inflation numbers coming down. But I think within the next couple of months, we're going to get the first big number that's going to say inflation was way down from what it was the month before. 
And I think once that happens and people are getting comfortable that we're coming down the inflation mountain, a lot of this stagflation talk, this um, never-ending inflation that, you know, that we're going to go in this deep recession, the Fed's going to have to raise rates forever, you might start to calm down and we might start to get a little more balance in the market. And remember, when everyone is worried about something, it's usually already in the market or most almost always mostly in the market. So the fact that everyone now is is scared to death about recession, which they should have been worried about six months ago, right. says we're yeah. probably near the end of the of the reaction to that in markets. And now what you need to do now is what is the talk six months from now? I think it's going to be saying much lower inflation than we thought, Fed on hold. That's probably a much more bullish scenario than we're currently trading now. And I think that's where you have to start thinking about, you know, where might be their opportunities, you know, if you're a cash buyer of lumber, if you're a cash buyer of copper, you know, some of these very economically sensitive commodities, you know, you should be looking for opportunities to buy physical product when there's blood in the streets and everyone is so fearful. That's when you get your opportunity to buy on a discount, buy something cheap, something that's come off a lot. So that's what I'd be thinking about right now, especially in those economically sensitive commodities like lumber, like copper, even like cotton, you know, if it were to come down considerably further, there's going to be an opportunity in some of these things uh, because the market rarely lets everybody get it right. It right. only lets a few people get it right. Yep. <laughs> we'll get back to Casey and John in a moment, but I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to this year's National Strip Tillage Conference, July 28th and 29th in Iowa City. Come learn about the growing strip tillage market and how to serve your customers who are actively investing in the practice of or considering it. To learn more and to register, visit www.striptillconference.com. Now back to Casey and Sean as they continue their conversation, moving on to a discussion about Russia and Ukrainian grain and what, if any, impact it will have on wheat supplies. So... I've read several articles here. You know, you got the U.S. out here urging countries to, that you know they need help with with food and fertilizer imports out of out of Russia and what that looks like. Um, you know, the U.S. is pleading with them. You know, if you need help with this, please do it because we didn't sanction these things. You know, those kind of things. You got Turkey investigating claims that Russia stole Ukrainian grain, which there's, I don't know what there's to investigate there. There's plenty of news reports and video. I'm just hauling truckload after truckload after truckload of grain out of uh, Mariupol and area, those places in there. So um, I guess as you, as you looked at, you talked about this earlier, you know, Russia doesn't want to look like the bad guy, but they're sure not trying very hard to let, to let grain come out of Ukraine. So I guess your thoughts on that. Whatever the big, pl- the, the grand plan is, um, uh, Russia's current image is not uh, a concern. So they, they obviously have an idea of what they want to do. And I think, you know, who knows me? They, I think they have a, a, I think they have a strategy beyond Ukraine and I'm, I'm not sure we're aware of what that strategy is yet, but there's something going on beyond Ukraine. Ukraine is the first move in the chess match to something bigger, whatever that bigger thing is. And, you know, China's involved. It's, it's a complicated situation, but as I try to say t- t- to everyone, I try to predict what I can, and I try to manage the risk of what I can't. So I can't predict what Russia is going to do day to day. I can't predict what the news story is going to be day to day. For example, yesterday, right, there was a news story that uh, Russia bombed some another storage area facility or something. And then so the weight market was up 30 or 40 on that news, you know, and then it it ended the day down. Mm -hmm. I can't predict that. And, and, and so I just don't try. 
Um, the overriding theme, I, and, and I, you know, I hate to be a broken record, but sometimes that's a good thing. I think at the end of the day, what I, what I believe is going to drive the grain markets beyond sound bites and these short-term fluctuations, which can be severe, is the idea that we're going to have good crops in the U.S. and that Russia is about to harvest a record wheat crop and they will sell their wheat. And how much wheat they sell that's not theirs, you know, I'm sure they'll do that too. But right. I don't see a shortage of wheat. I don't see a shortage of wheat, um, uh, at least in the next three months when we're harvesting and they're harvesting a record crop and they're going to be selling like crazy to China and others. I don't see any shortage in wheat for the next three months. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be a shortage six months from now. But, you know, when we're dealing with markets pricing and, and the pricing of markets and what farmers should be doing and who should be selling and who should be buying, you know, uh, right now, I, you know, I don't see any supply problem unless the U.S. were to get into trouble. And I don't see that outside of a weather scare, not a actual crop problem. So I think that the onus is that we're heading down uh, on a downtrending market here in grains and in cotton into the harvest lows. Is there going to be some volatility upside? Yes, and I do believe we're, we could have a weather scare in the first half of July that would give us one of those upward volatility opportunities for farmers to get some sales made on a typical, you know, worry over the growing season. But the big picture is, you know, I think we're going to find our way down into some kind of an early harvest low. And then when we get there, you know, then we have to take another look about what the long-term supply-demand equation looks like. Um, but for now, you know, I, I think the trend is down, and I think that's the, that's going to be the trend at least until we get uh, far enough into the end of the growing cycle to where the market prices it all in. So, right on. Okay, yeah, it's a very weird scenario because there for a while Russia was thinking, like, had the idea that you know we'll we'll, we'll get this grain out of Ukraine, let let everybody do the thing, and that kind of that lasted for about three days, and then they went a different direction totally. So. Interesting story to watch to see how that develops moving forward because getting ships in and out of there, I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's a whole thing right now. So, well, insuring the ships, who's going to captain it, who's going to ensure safe travel. Right. Who's going to load the ships? Yeah. How are you going to ensure they're safe? I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) A lot of moving parts, sir. A lot of moving parts, and you need to have everyone cooperate. You know, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure we're at the point where everyone's really ready to get along just quite yet. I don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah. Um, I hope we are, but I don't think so. All right. Let's talk a little bit on the proteins here for just a little bit. You got, uh, obviously, this is a, a big a big time of the year for, for barbecuing and those kind of things. So beef demand is going to be high. Pork demand is going to be high. As you take a look, what's going on there, and you got the stuff that's happened in Kansas with these uh, those cattle kills that they've seen come through. Um, a lot of heat stress on cows out there, so the rate of gain is, is uh, slowing down, I guess. As, as you look at that whole picture, Sean, what are your thoughts there? Well, we have a battle between recession, like right. you said at the beginning of your show, which never, never makes people feel comfortable owning the meats because – you know, when you look at your budget, meats are tend to be a higher priced item uh, than, you know, buying, uh, you know, popcorn, for right. example. So um, so that always brings some sellers into the pits at times. But at the same time, we do have that visceral uh, American tradition of going out in a nice warm sun and 
grilling a lot of meat. And even in a year where energy prices are high and maybe people aren't going to be maybe driving as much as they did, that means maybe they're going to even do more than that, staying local and doing things mm -hmm. locally with that sort of thing. So overall, you know, I, I think at least in the cattle business, I think the supplies are going to be so low going forward that even with potentially weaker demand later in the year from a, a lower economy, I think there's going to be plenty of demand to provide a shortage. Mm -hmm. um, in the pork, I'm not so sure. We have to get exports because uh, we, we, we produce too much domestically. We don't have enough domestic demand like we do in beef to sop it all up. Um, we were selling a bunch to Mexico. That slowed down and the Chinese are not ready to buy yet. And so we, we kind of in this zone where, you know, demand domestically is good, but, it, but it need, you, know, you have to have those big exports. And I, and I just worry a little bit about the hog market struggling here uh, finding some of that export demand it needs to get rid of this excess supply, whereas the cattle business doesn't really need those exports. It's more additive. In fact, the exports for beef have been surprisingly strong, surprisingly yeah. strong. So I, I guess I'm kind of constructive, but I'm much more constructive on the cattle market. I'm going to be much more constructive on the hog market uh, in the fall going forward, because I think that's where China needs to come in and restock because they're Hog prices is now rising. I believe the herd liquidation from the second round of ASF is over. And I think that as they slowly reopen, as I believe they will by the fall, they're going to need to buy some pork from the U.S. And I think that would be a more dynamic or interesting time to look for big purchases from trying to, to re-excite the hog market. In the meantime, it could be you know, kind of a big volatile trading range until we get there for hogs. Right on. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, -T, advisors.com. Lots of information in our weather cycles, our capital flow cycles to let people know what we do and see if we could be of service to your listeners. Right on. And uh, speaking of weather cycles, Sean and I are going to do a special podcast kind of an update on on the weather cycles and, and natural climate changes that sean's talked about quite extensively here on, on the podcast it's been probably six months or so since we've really done one of those and as we head through this this el nino to la nina change and and, and how that flows into um this fall and what that looks like this is this is one of those impactful moments uh, that you've talked about quite a bit moving into that september october time frame we're also going to talk a little a little longer term because um a pretty important event. We talked about this in our podcast yesterday that we sent out to our subscribers of something called the Gleisberg cycle. Um, don't want to spend a whole time going over exactly what that is other than there tends that, that it's an 85 to 90 year cycle that has historically been associated with one in 100 year uh, Midwest droughts. Uh, the, it came into uh, the last time it came in, that cycle came into play was 1934, 1935. Um, and now the next cycle is coming into 2024, 2025. So, so there's, a, there's a pretty interesting cycle that says we could be entering, you know, one of these rare uh, drought cycles that you see, you know, one shot out of 100, you get one of these really nasty ones and we'll go over what the cycle is, what it, you know, what's the basis behind it, what the history is behind it, and and why this period coming up for El Nino that's going to be bearish for grains, you know, into next year could be a tremendous opportunity for livestock producers to load up on cheap feed ahead of what could be 
a wild kind of a situation with weather. And so that and more, but I think, you know, those that have an interest in long-term weather patterns and what it may mean, you know, might find this discussion about the Gleisberg cycle, you know, pretty interesting. So. Right. I'm looking forward to that. So listen for that. Uh, we're going to record it tomorrow. You know, today is Thursday, the 23rd. Hopefully you have it recorded on 24th and I'll have it out this weekend for everyone to, uh, to listen to. So, uh, Sean, one more time before folks can reach you at over there at Hackett Financial. Website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors with an S, dot com. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. You can also find those same podcasts on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and the video version of it on YouTube. So if you're interested in checking that out, go see that. If you want to see everything Moving Iron related, go to movingironllc.com and you'll get all the latest editions of the Moving Iron podcast blog posts, as well as all the information for the upcoming Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's open to any dealer, new, used, or otherwise. Doesn't matter. If you want to come check that out, network with people and learn, you know, talk about used equipment and sales processes and those kind of things, all that exciting stuff out there. If you're interested in doing that, Hit me up at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com and I'll get you more information or you can just fill out the form there online and you'll get registered and you'll be uh, ready to go. So looking forward to seeing everybody coming up here in September. Uh, so with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Haggett. Let's go smart folks. Thanks to Casey and Sean for sharing their conversation with us. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Tron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.